Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, we'll join Sunny today for a very special solo Soul Digger edition of the show where she'll be sharing a huge update. After seven years, change is coming. And now I welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And good morning. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy McMillan. For the past seven years, we've been here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you live a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access the show archives. Those are found at 1150kknw.com. You can also find the show on iTunes and Podcast One. So I am coming to you this morning from New Haven, Connecticut, um, in my new little place um, with Movi by my side. Uh, Orientation at Divinity School starts today. Um, and I just wanted to share a little bit more about what's going on um, now that I am on the other side of the country, connecting remotely um, in this place where if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know, this has been a long time in coming. Um, I applied in 2020, 20, 2021, um, did not get in. Um, then we went on our around the country road trip, Chase and I with the kitties and picked up Movi along the way, landed back in Seattle, didn't see that coming. Um, I reapplied to Divinity School. I got in. I actually felt very grateful to get in a couple places and be able to choose and I know that I've ended up in the right place uh, here at uh, Yale Divinity School for the next three years. And um, uh, we'll be working on my Master of Divinity degree. Um, yeah, and so to be here in this little place, which also, you know, if you've been listening to First Fridays, you know uh, how long I looked for a little place here. And it's just so funny, um, the ones that fell through at the last minute excuse me, the ones that um, I was disappointed about if we didn't get those kinds of things. Um, the one that I ended up with, I just, it, it couldn't be more perfect. Um, I actually walked to the campus yesterday for the first time and it's a quick 15 minute walk through a beautiful neighborhood. Um, and it's right next to, well, I say right next to, it's like a block off of one of the most beautiful parks in New Haven. Um, so Movi and I have beautiful trails to explore. Um, Chase and I had a wonderful cross country drive and had a beautiful four days here in New Haven before he flew back to Seattle because his work needs him to be in Seattle. And my uh, school requires me to be here so we'll be navigating all of that but um anyway the way things kind of fell together here in New Haven has just been um completely serendipitous so I really enjoy sharing those kinds of journeys so um you know if things take a long time for you and whatever it is that you are working on know that sometimes you know um we use the analogy of that giant bamboo the bamboo that before it ever shoots a stalk above the ground, it grows uh, its roots very deep below the surface. And I mean deep, and it takes several years. And then when the stalks come up out of the ground, they grow quickly. And my goodness, if you've ever planted bamboo, 
<laughs> in your garden, you know how hard it is to get rid of it. Once it's in, it's in. Um, and so maybe for you, like me, it just took a little bit longer to get you planted where you need to be. And that is okay. Um, but when it happens, it comes together. And so I, here I am, things having come together. And I also just want to make a comment about Movi. Um, it's so interesting to be in a new city and I haven't lived on my own. Um, my goodness, I had roommates in college. I had a little apartment by myself in my early 20s before I met my then-to-be husband, Rob, who many of you have heard me speak of, who we were married and we were together about 10 years total. And then he passed away in 2018 after we got divorced. But um, I went pretty much from roommates in college uh, and then got married. And then when I got divorced, I wasn't single for very long. Chase and I got together very quickly and that's been another 10 years. And so this is the first time I've lived by myself in quite some time. And um, I just think, isn't it interesting that the year of preparation before I leave for school, we find this um, beautiful, magical, and sometimes challenging dog um, on the side of the road, Movi, um, who has become my companion here uh, at Divinity School. And uh, I feel so safe with her. And she is just, she is, <laughs> she has just turned into this amazing dog who is I can tell um, a very perfect companion for what is to come for the next three years. And I think I shared when we first found her and we made our first stop, you know, we pulled over on the side of the highway in the desert outside of Mojave, California, threw her in the car, figured out she didn't have tags, no microchip. And um, our first real stop where she was with us was in Tucson, Arizona. And it was in this, um, I guess a, a, it was, both an RV park and a um, retirement community um, for for folks who like to come down from colder climates um, up north anyway. So we were there when it wasn't very crowded because it was in the summertime or early spring, I, um, early summer. In any event, they had an agility course for um, the dogs. Uh, they not only had a dog park, they had an agility course. And I just remember taking her out to the agility course one evening and looking in her eyes and having this very felt like a premonition, a flash forward to how bonded um, this dog and I would become that she would be one of the most important animals in my life, who makes me emotional to talk about. And um, <laughs> we went through some challenging puppy times on the road with her. And um, she has, she's, she'll be two now in October coming up here very quickly. And she's pretty much an adult now. And my goodness, what a dog she is. And now I can see exactly why that feeling that I had that night on the agility course um, will be coming true. So here I am in New Haven with Movi by my side, with Chase a FaceTime away, which we've been using a lot. Um, and orientation starts today official. Um, I had a few little things to do on campus yesterday, but today is the official start and there's just so much energy and excitement and buildup around that. Um, and so I wanted to come to you today um, to talk about the future of Sunny in Seattle. Um, you may have noticed my intro is just slightly different, um, a little bit past tense there, and I've alluded to changes and, and also, you know, 
Um, we knew that the format would be changing. I just didn't know how. Uh, and so KKW has been so wonderful to work with. And of course, Benny, um, who uh, unfortunately, since I'm having to pre-record this because of our time difference, is um is is not present for this for this call today or well he will be he's behind the scenes of course but he wasn't able to be live with me right now but um in any event i have alluded to changes in the last few episodes and and I've, if you listen to the the last episode we did um with uh Kirsten Parsons Hathcock and her book little voices it really was such a beautiful uh guest to have before i make this announcement that um, the show that you were hearing this morning um, is going to be the last live show for Sunny in Seattle for now. Um, the live broadcasts have been some of the best joys of my life to be able to go into the studio and, um, you know, it, so many people are podcasting now. Um, and so to have that live component of still live radio has been something that has been so unique and special and such a joy for me. Um, but the way that my class schedule is shaping up and the way that things are just shaping up for what is to come for the next three years, um, having that live component is just, uh, does not feel aligned anymore. Um, and so, um, Never fear, though, I'm not going away entirely. If you, I think we do have a few loyal listeners out there. Um, and just want to say thank you to all of you who've been a part of the show um, for all these many years. Um, but if you have been listening and you do still enjoy the show, I'm not going away. We're just going to go to a podcast only version, um, which is something that KKNW is doing now. Um, and so I will speak a little bit more about this also at the end of the show to remind you, but for the next three years, the live show will be on hiatus. Um, so you will hear something different if you tune into KKW at 9 a.m. Pacific on a Friday morning. However, if you go to the station's website, which is 1150kknw.com, and just click on the link for podcasts. Um, there are so many wonderful shows there um, that uh, are, some of them are live, some of them are podcast only. And so when you find my show on that page, um, you will still be able to listen. And so my plan is to do one show a month for now and see how that feels. We may end up doing more. We may end up um, uh, doing, um, you know, maybe one a week at some point. I don't know. But for now, it's going to be once a month and they will be my dispatches from Divinity School. Um, and so the other thing that I would recommend if you do want to stay in touch and do want to keep listening and do want to hear and read more about my dispatches from Divinity School, um, the other thing that you can do um, besides going to the station's archives or podcast page is to uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you enjoy. I know there's so many ways to access podcasts these days. Whatever is the one that you use, subscribe to the show. And that way you will be notified when a new uh, episode drops because I don't exactly know what days and times um, I will be recording because um, I don't even get my class schedule until today. So uh, more information to come on that. And then finally, um, what you can do to stay in touch is if you go to my website, goldenoversoul.com, 
It's been a while since I've announced that one, but goldenoversoul.com. Go to my website and there is a little link at the bottom of the homepage. Just subscribe to my newsletter. Um, I haven't sent one out since before my uh, road trip adventure, but um, my intention is to uh, be able to use that also as a medium for uh, sending my dispatches from Divinity School. And they may be short and sweet, but it will also give you information on uh, what's happening happening with the podcast um, so that you can know when new episodes are coming out. And um, I may be doing some that are solo and I may be doing some that have guests. I imagine I will be meeting some very interesting people here um, at Yale that uh, I will want to interview about all things mind, body, spirit, wellness, just like we've been doing for the past seven years. Um, So I'll just, um, I will repeat those again at the end of the show um, so that you will know how to stay in touch if you want to continue along with the sunny in Seattle journey as I send dispatches from Divinity School. Um, So I want to just make a couple of little comments here before I dive in with what I really wanted to share today. And you know, it's interesting. I've said a lot that this has been seven years of doing the show. You know, once I knew I was going to Divinity School and things are changing, the number seven really started coming up for me um, and and considering how long the show has been going on. And it's interesting because many moons ago when I was in the process of leaving my marriage and um, my life took a turn for the spiritual for sure when the the writing of Dr. Martha Beck found me. And um, it was at that point before I even knew anything about numerology that I found this necklace and this has been a story I've shared before, but it's been a while. Um, There were these, there was an old hotel in New York. That's very historic that I always enjoyed visiting. Um, And it was being converted into condominiums and they were taking all the old numbers off of the doors. And this jeweler had gone and collected these beautiful brass or I'm not really even sure what kind of metal it's like a gold metal, but they're very, Uh, heavy and beautiful numbers off of the doors and had created jewelry with them. And I saw the number seven and just knew immediately that was the one that I needed. And so for many years, my go-to piece of jewelry, um, I would wear many, (laughs) I think I take after my mom in this regard. She's always worn the same pieces of jewelry and they're they're beautiful and they're classic. So she didn't switch it up a whole lot. So I seven became my necklace that I wore everywhere all the time. And it's not a small seven either. It's it's on a long chain. And people would always ask what it meant. And I would just say, I don't know. It's, it's just a number that I really, really like. And then fast forward to when I became, you know, a a regular at East West Bookshop in Seattle and started interviewing folks about all kinds of things and learned a little bit about numerology. And seven was a number I learned that was associated with spirituality and divinity. And it just made so much sense. And so I was picking out my outfit last night for orientation today um, because we need to be a little bit, they've asked us to be a little bit dressier than we normally would be. And I have not worn jewelry and I mean, my gosh, because pandemic number one, but number two, you know, we've been on the road and then even going back in Seattle, I've worked largely from home. So anyway, it has been a long time since I pulled my jewelry box out and looked at some of the pieces that I haven't worn for quite some time. 
And without even really thinking about it, I pulled out the seven to wear today uh, to orientation. And so feels like a very full circle moment. And, and, you know, having done the show for seven years, and then when we got to New Haven, one of the very first things I like to do in a new place is to figure out where the market is that I want to use, because I always love, I love a natural market. I know so many people love to use Instacart and grocery shopping makes them just frustrated or it just, they don't enjoy it at all. But I personally could spend hours roaming the aisles of uh, PCC, for example, in Seattle or, um, you know, wherever we end up, I always enjoy finding that market that's kind of my place where I can go. It feels meditative to me. And so we found my little market here in New Haven, uh, edge of the woods. And when we went there for the first time, I was, you know, just looking around, smiling, going, oh, I look so forward to shopping here. And this nice elder man who was behind us in line, um, said oh did you just move here I said yes and he said oh well you have found the right market and oh he was so cute he just he had you know long gray hair and he had a big peace sign necklace and tie dyes he just he he looked like that you know the the stereotypical image of a of a wonderful loving hippie and he said I have been coming to this market for over 25 years and he said it has rebuilt me every seven years this is this is the, the the supplement aisle here has rebuilt me. And I just was thinking, you know, you always hear that, that what is it? Cells in the body regenerate every seven years. And so really you're not the same person in seven years that you were the seven years prior. And so it feels very fitting. So many sevens around this time um, and seven years of doing the show. And I just have to say, you know, as much, this is very bittersweet to, to bring the live aspect of this show to a close, but it also feels um, like the right thing for now. Uh, and it doesn't have to be forever. Like I said, I think it's gonna be a three-year hiatus and then we'll reevaluate things at the end. Um, there are always choices and there are always opportunities for new beginnings, but it is to have new beginnings, there have to be endings as well. Um, some of them are big and some of them are small. Some of them are temporary. Some, some are, may last a lot longer, um, but um, it is, it is okay to have endings so that we can have beginnings. It is okay to have a fallow season in a certain area so that that soil is wonderfully replenished and nourished and can regenerate and be ready for the next time that it wants to um, bring something forth into the world. So one of the things in thinking about how I wanted to use this final time, I was inspired. And I think I mentioned this on one of my lessons learned, the, the last two Soul Digger special editions I did on lessons learned in seven years of doing the show. Um, but one of the things we didn't get to and that I that I thought, okay, this is going to be appropriate if we do a third one, but it, the way things have turned out, it just feels like the exact right thing to talk about uh, for this final live show um, or final, I guess, broadcast at the 9 a.m. time slot on KKNW on Friday. 
Um, and it was inspired by um, Stephanie Banks, actually a regular guest on our show, who many of you know and love. Many of you have called in and gotten readings with her. Um, she is still going strong, by the way, even though um, I don't know when I will talk to her next on the show, but um, just her website is soulinsight.com. Um, I know she's got a lot of fun stuff going on right now, but Stephanie asked me to do a little a bonus class with her at the end of uh, an eight-week course that I took with her, um, her Learn to Channel class. And she basically said, you know, Sunny, you've been doing Sunny in Seattle for so long, and I just feel like there's so, there's so many amazing authors, um, just really leaders in spiritual thought, um, folks who've had incredible stories, who you have spoken to and compiled all of this along the way. And I would love for you to share some of the highlights, your favorite interviews, what it's been like. And I ask her, you know, okay, that sounds fun. Thank you. What a, what a wonderful honor and an opportunity to be able to do that. Um, and we did do that call. Um, and if you want to hear it, um, I think she has it posted on her YouTube channel, I think. Um, and so that Stephanie Banks. Um, so when I ask her, um, what do you want people to get from this as I was preparing, you know, there's a lot of material to pull from. So I wanted to get an idea of what she was looking for. And she said, I want people to get really excited about spirit. Um, so, you know, this is at the end of an eight week class together. And she said, I want to take, I want folks to take what's ignited within them and let other exposure kind of seep into that and, and really understand or relate to the vastness of what we are. And I just thought, oh, I love that. The vastness of what we are. That stuck with me. And so I wanted to speak a little bit about that um, and, and take what Stephanie, um, I guess, inspired or prompted in, in looking back on the show and share some of the, the things that I want to remind you of related to the vastness of who you are. And, you know, for years, you've heard the intro. The intro really has never changed for the show in seven years because I still feel very strongly about my original mission um, to give you resources or to share with you people who will help you live a life of peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. Um, those are the biggies to me. And um, I've always, when I'm my little elevator pitch, when I am reaching out to a potential guest or when I'm telling people about the show is that I um, you know, I interview folks every week, basically about some element of mind, body, or spirit wellness. But the truth is the spirit part is really the big part. Um, that's the part, what it's really about reminding all of us, me, you, anyone who hears this, reminding you who you really are, which is a powerful, dearly loved spiritual being and creator in human form. Um, and in that way, by remembering who we are, um, that I think is, the, I mean, that's why I'm at Divinity School, because I think there is a way to blend some of the spiritual or religious traditions with some of the beautiful things that we now really know about the vastness of who we really are. Um, because when we remember those things, man, life can get good. 
Um, so I want to just go back through some of my favorite things that I have learned along the way in interviewing um, the folks on this show. And I don't think anything demonstrates uh, these realities of who we really are uh, more than near-death experiences. Um, and of course, when I'm talking about those, I am talking not only about um, the folks who actually experience the, the near-death experience, but also the people who are researching it or people who are looking at end-of-life phenomenon as well. That's, a, I guess, another little subset of, of what really um, gets me inspired. And so don't ever forget that <laughs> when the folks who come back from having near-death experiences, with very, very few exceptions, there are some common themes um, and they all just the, the messages are very similar um, that you are dearly, dearly loved. Um, you are never alone. We are always surrounded by um, your what I call, you know, your non-physical family, which are your guides, um, the the your star families, your ancestors, your loved ones who have passed on. Um, beings of light, seen and unseen, known and unknown, some of which I don't even think we will realize until we get to the other side. But these folks who've had near-death experiences have been able to touch on that. Um, and then also reminding us that we are more powerful than we've been told. We just forget when we take on these human bodies and come to this amazing planet to have just a vast array of experiences. So I want to kind of unpack each of these a little bit and remind you of some of the guests and some of the, the ways that they have shared that we are dearly loved, that we are never alone, and that we are more powerful than we remember that we are. It's definitely than we've been told by many people and institutions along the way. Um, so you may remember Danny and Brinkley. Um, it has been many years since I've spoken with him. But he's one of these unique folks who not only had one near-death experience, he's had two. Um, and I just, it's, you know, when those near-death experiences happen, what I've noticed with these folks is they come back definitely touched by what they've experienced on the other side. But when I say touched, I mean, they bring a piece of it back with them. A lot of them speak about having their intuitive abilities um, really dialed up, if not just following the experience, but perhaps for the rest of their life, doesn't really ever go away. Um, and so Danian Brinkley is one of these who's, who brings a special kind of magic, given how, um, how he's had more than one of these experiences. But he talks about the time before we take on a human body and we're in the ethereal realms and we have the perspective of being able to look down on this planet earth and look at circumstances, look at things that could happen in a life once we take on a body. And uh, in doing so, we consider various soul potentials, some of them um, amazing, easy, effortless, harmonious, and some of these circumstances quite challenging. Um, perhaps certain traumatic events that might happen in a life, the death of a loved one, abuse, or perhaps being born into circumstances that are um, very challenging, perhaps having certain kinds of your abilities, um, you know, differently able than, than the majority of the population. So all of these things are possibilities. And, and 
in looking down at what these challenges will present, Danian says, you know, when we're when we're in our spirit form in the ethereal realms, we remember that we can do anything, like that we are, we have the, the help of the divine, we are surrounded by all of these guides and helpers along the way on earth. And so we say, oh my gosh, I can definitely do that. I'll be able to transcend that divorce with grace. Oh, I will be able to move through that loss and get to the other side for great soul expansion. But then we come down to earth and we get in our little sausage casing human bodies and um, we're touched by that forgetfulness that that happens when we guess go through the birth canal and out into um, the world as a baby. Um, and I know some some remember more than others, but for the majority of us, we often forget exactly why we're here and what we came to do. And more than anything, once we start encountering life's challenges, we forget how powerful we were when we were up in the ethereal realms going, okay, I'll totally be able to do that. No problem at all. Um, so I just want to remind you that whatever you're facing right now, that at least from a certain perspective, a certain belief system, which I fully, which I fully believe in, that there was a time when you remembered you would absolutely be able to get through this, that you have the help of the universe by your side, the love of all of these beings of light around you, that um, they are looking down on you, cheering you on and knowing that you have even if it doesn't seem possible, you have within you what you need to be able to move through this um, and come out the other side, a soul more expanded and a soul wiser. And one that when you look back during your life review at the end of this lifetime, you will understand why this happened. And for this, you have grown. And so then you will able to take that with you for eternity um, and it will have changed you. Um, and so I've mentioned several times, you know, you were supported. Um, and so one of my favorite near death, near death experience stories, um, one of the ones where there was so much meat to it in terms of the, the information that was given while on the other side that brought was brought back. Now, of course, Eben Alexander had a wonderful story and I've had the joy of speaking to him several times on this show throughout the years. Um, so I encourage you, if you haven't heard his story to definitely go back and listen to um, one or more of those episodes with him, Dr. Eben Alexander, because he sure did get a lot of information. He spent um, I know in human time, very different than whatever the, the, the time is outside of linear that, that these folks are in when they're having their near-death experience, but he definitely seemed to get a lot more information than most. But my point is, I wanted to share with you about uh, Leslie Joan Lupo. Um, and she has, I think she still is working at Canyon Ranch um, uh, Spa, and it's basically, I think, a spiritual wellness center. Um, and so before her experience there, because if you want to, I think, work with her, that's a great way to connect with her in real time. But um, she had a near-death experience that um, resulted from a, she was in a horse corral and there was a bit of a stampede and she, um, was trampled and thrown against, um, some concrete. And so that resulted in a very traumatic physical injury. And so she had a near death experience. 
while she was on the other side, she basically met up with her soul group. Um, you know, we often hear about soul groups that we travel with in a lifetime that may show up as family members. They may show up as um, a nemesis in a lifetime. They may show up as, um, you know, a colleague at work. But these are these are beings that we travel with um, for many, many lifetimes for the purpose of soul growth and expansion and being able to experience different things at different in different lifetimes. And so she was able to meet up with her soul family, sit around a table and be able to ask some questions and, and get some information. And she was basically also shown, and this is the part that I just love the most, like what her role is when she wasn't in human form and where she would, where she would be, what some of the function, functions she would be doing in the ethereal realms. And she was taken to a place where they had these beings of light that were basically sitting around. It kind of looked almost in her description. It felt like almost like Star Trek, you know, where you were able to look at a big board and basically you're able to look down on the planet of Earth, for example. And you would see these points of light and these points of light are are humans moving around on the planet. And there would be specific light beings looking down on us while we are on earth and they would see that someone's light was getting a little dim or, or their light was being challenged a bit and they would send from above or from the ethereal realms light and love uh, very specifically they could direct it. And I just think, you know, I'm here, envision yourself sitting wherever you find yourself and know that there are loving beings of light assigned to send you energy, support, um, and, and love from other places while you are moving through this human experience. And, you know, one of the other things she shared um, that, that this is now making me think of was she talks about what she calls uh, Houdini kids. Um, another word for them that she initially used was blindfolded bodhisattvas. And all that means is um, there is a specific generation. I think it happened more in certain generations. Um, and this has been fairly recent. So I'm saying this because if you are um, of a certain age and this feels resonant for you, you might be, or you might fall in this category. And it was a, basically a, a, a uh, humans who incarnated into families who were very challenging. Um, so these are pretty old souls who decided to come into families where there would be um, a lot of substance abuse, um, a, physical abuse, uh, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. All these are these are families who, or maybe at a bare minimum, were just neglectful um, and not very nourishing to the needs of an old soul kiddo. Um, and so basically these, these Houdini kids that she describes them came in to plant seeds of light in certain places geographically. And if you think about it, like little points of light landing in dark places, and these folks knew that they would be coming into a darker place than perhaps say a monastery where um, you know, uh, uh, if you were a child raised in that environment, perhaps there would be a lot of spiritual encouragement and an understanding of spiritual gifts. 
well, for these Houdini kids who came in, they are in families that don't understand them, that don't have a lot of spiritual nourishment to provide for whatever reason. And so a lot of times their light might end up going out early um, or they might have just a much more challenging experience. But just know perhaps if you came into a family that didn't understand you and that was um, anywhere from neglectful all the way up into full-on abuse, that perhaps you are one of these Houdini kids she speaks about. So I encourage you if you, um, uh, and I, oh my goodness, I didn't even write down the name of her book when I put it in my outline, but Leslie Joan Lupo, um, you can just Google her name and that book will come up um, from her near-death experience, a really interesting one. Um, and I think she also, she works with, I think part of her, the endorsements and some someone that she's worked with extensively is Gary Schwartz, who I never did get a chance to interview, but I know he's done a lot of um, he's one of those folks who is uh, more on the academic side of things, researching these types of experiences. Um, so one of the other things um, I wanted to share uh, around, I want to remind you of from all these near-death experiencers, um, another one of my favorites and one of the biggest honors of an interview that I had just because of the, the how well-known she is, is Anita Morjani. Um, and her near-death experience is another one of those that is just so compelling because it was combined with a physical healing. You know, she was in stage cancer with um, huge tumors protruding from her body all over. And um, when she went into a coma, family was notified, this is it, she's leaving this planet. Um, and instead she had a near-death experience and had a variety of encounters and information provided to her or remembered when she was on the other side. But when she came back, she remembered who she really was, um, a powerful spiritual being and knew that if she decided to return to this body, the cancer would be healed. And she provides her medical records and for folks to look at, she's had them reviewed. And there are a lot of doctors who don't even want to comment on it because it's very unusual to see cancer completely reverse itself. And for her, it was within a matter of weeks. Um, um, but the thing that I wanted to mention about her um, is that she talks about that we can't be more spiritual than we already are. Um, so you don't have to be yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. You don't need to be fixed. You don't need to um, achieve enlightenment. I mean, I know that's a, a worthy goal for many and I applaud if that's something that, that you are working toward in this lifetime. But if you like me are already feeling a little bit stretched thin by so many things that we're supposed to be doing while we're here and trying to be more spiritual, um, more worthy in that sense. Anita just has this beautiful, peaceful, just whole energy about her that just, just in her presence, you just feel you don't need to be anything more than you already are. You are spiritual by showing up as a spiritual being in a human experience here. Um, and so for that reason, you know, you don't have to work on uh, completely eliminating ego. Um, the ego is, is here with us for a reason so that we remind our, so that we are reminded that we are differentiated from the other humans around us, that we have a personality that's different. 
and that we can, I think I had one guest who said that the ego is, is there so we can remember how to find our way home at night, because if not, if we didn't have ego, just like Jill Bolte Taylor, when the left portion or left hemisphere of her brain went offline, she just felt one with everything. She was just existing in a sea of energy. So without, without that kind of ego to remind us who we are, um, the human experience would be a lot harder to navigate. So just yeah, remind yourself, all of this experience is just part of it. And it's okay to enjoy it and to not feel like you have to change yourself and mold yourself into some I don't know, idea of spiritual perfection. You're enough as you are. And hey, if you can't have a near-death experience, <laughs> because I think we've talked about this a lot on the show, especially Alessandra and I, that or Dr. Alessandra from First Friday, of course, that um, usually a near-death experience is combined with a pretty traumatic physical energy injury. So for that reason, it may not be <laughs> top of your list to, to go through. So if you can't have that, um, don't forget about shared death experiences. Um, one of my more recent interviews this summer and one of my favorites really from the last seven years is William Peters and his book at heaven's door that, uh, that we, I think it was earlier this summer that I spoke with him. So he has studied what he calls shared crossings. And basically this is when you are sitting bedside and not, you know, his shared crossing experience. There are several stories in there where they aren't folks sitting bedside with someone who's transitioning um, back to the ethereal realms or to heaven. Um, but, but these are experiences where someone who is still in human form gets to actually travel with the loved one who's passing for a brief period. Um, and there are these quantifiable uh, characteristics of these experiences where you may see a light as your loved one is moving toward it. You may even be able to help that person move toward the light if they're having a little trouble. Um, or you may just see them embraced in the loving presence of all of the, the loved ones, the animals, the ancestors, the angels that are there to greet them and take them to the other side. Um, and there are some other characteristics there. You may even be able to see part of the life review. Um, but just know that um, he even talks about in his book how you can prime yourself really to have one of these experiences. But that's one where William Peters, the author of that book, has had more, gosh, he's had a handful of shared crossings. Um, and in his lifetime, I think largely because he is meant to write about these things, but he's not alone in that. Um, there are many folks who have had these shared crossing experiences. So if you want a piece of, of the magic of encountering the other side while still alive, that's one way to um, remind yourself uh, of who you really are. And so if you want more that, that book was titled At Heaven's Door. Um, one of the other things that I also wanted to mention, because we've been talking about all these wonderful stories of near-death experiencers, and I know there, I'm, I'm part of the reason I went on this spiritual journey is because of Dr. Martha Beck, who is equal parts academic from Harvard, of course, um, but also mystic. And so a lot of her work, while she is definitely heavily steeped in the mystery and the mystical and in the divine, 
um, she still keeps another foot grounded in, in evidence-based research and, and uh, academia. And so I just want to remind you, one of my favorite things that I've had the privilege of speaking with folks about on the show is the science behind all of this, um, which is a very leading edge science. Um, and so I don't, I, I just, I've, I don't care for the term woo-woo. Um, I haven't liked it for some time. I still use it from time to time, but it just, it to me, it does a great disservice to the reality of what we're actually experiencing that we just don't have always or yet the scientific tools to track it. And just like uh, when germ theory in medicine was first presented and the, the doctor who was working um, in a hospital was seeing that all of these mothers who had just given birth were dying. And he suggested that, you know, the doctors who were delivering them were working, would be working on a cadaver at one moment and then would go deliver a baby at the other. They didn't have things like hand washing because they didn't know about bacteria and things on the hands. And so this doctor um, put forth the idea that perhaps there was a something that was on the cadavers that was getting into these uh, birthing mothers' bodies and causing their death. And he was laughed out of the hospital and ended up uh, disgraced in his career. And only many years after his life did people actually start um, realizing because then microscopes and we have the science to see these bacteria same thing with x-rays when the idea of the x-ray was first presented um the idea that you could see inside the human body in these organs was just uh laughable and of course there just wasn't the technology yet well same thing with all of these phenomenon and i know i'm preaching to the choir here with the kk and w audience but i just want to remind you there are some beautiful uh, emerging leading edge science institutions and research bodies who are doing great work like HeartMath um, in California. Um, goodness, I love the research they're doing on the um, incredible impact that the heart has on not only our physical body, but on the people around us and also its um, its connection to our earth and its magnetic field. Um, of course, there's the Institute of Noetic Sciences in Petaluma very serendipitously. And I had the honor of interviewing Dean Radin, who's one of their chief scientists, their lead scientists doing research on psi phenomenon. Um, and it's just amazing what is coming forth. And then there are two collectors of this research who I just adore. Um, they are journalists and authors, and that is Leslie Kane, and her last name is K-E-A-N. It's pronounced a little differently than you would think, but Leslie Kane and Lynn McTaggart. And my goodness, these are journalists and authors with some of the highest standards and integrity and their journalistic practices. And they, these women have done an incredible job of compiling some of the most amazing research on the quantum field, on um, the evidence for life after death, the evidence for uh, the star families and uh, life out there in other galaxies. It's pretty cool. So I encourage you to, uh, to dip into some of that science. Um, so, um, so a few other things I wanted to touch on in our last hour of a first or a, a Friday morning together. Um, I think 
there's one question that I've enjoyed asking many of the guests that I've interviewed. And I just like to get people's take, whether they're scientists, whether they're near-death experiencers, whether they're intuitives who are working with the other side, or whether even if they're doing other research on, on our physical body and how it connects with the spirit, I always like to ask um, what their take is on this moment in time of human evolution. And it doesn't matter what the specific answer is. The theme is there is something afoot here. Um, we are in the midst of an awakening of consciousness like we have never seen before in human history, um, an evolutionary leap. And of course, we're going to need it if we're going to um, survive on this planet with a lot of the challenges that we currently have, particularly around the climate. Um, and so there, there are things that are happening to support our ability to move through these very challenging times. Um, there are, uh, one of the themes that I hear a lot is people's intuitive gifts are coming online in ways we've never seen. And I think that's a factor of not only us becoming more tuned in, but also the fact that we're talking about these things in the mainstream a lot more than we used to. Um, mystical experiences are increasing, or perhaps we are also recording them more and speaking about them. Like who even knew what a shared death experience was, um, you know, a few decades ago. And now this is something where <laughs> a major publisher has put forth, for example, William Peter's book that I just mentioned at Heaven's Door about these shared death experiences. Um, and I think also one of my favorites who um, we've spoken about on the show before, Dr. David Hawkins, he's a, a PhD and an MD. He's one of those folks is just crazy smart. Um, and he, one of my favorite books by him, Power Versus Force, um, he speaks about in the end of that book, um, his own near-death experience that he had as a young child, which I think shaped um, who he became. But one of the things he has spoken about, um, he said many years ago, there weren't really a lot of enlightenment or awakening experiences um, out there, um, definitely not very many recorded, um, but he has seen or he saw that change in his lifetime, that there were more and more people having these mystical, spiritual awakening, enlightenment experiences, and I think he attributed that to the fact that we are evolving as a species, that these are becoming more commonplace in order that we might move forward. Um, and so hearing him talk about that, someone who is a very evidence-based, um, definitely one foot in academic worlds, um, at the same time, noticing that these intense spiritual experiences are happening more frequently. And so my point in bringing all of that up is that uh, do not forget, I mean, I believe this, and so many of the folks I've interviewed believe it. You chose to be here now for a reason. You are here on this planet at this moment in time. Your life matters, even if you just show up and, and go about your life. You don't have to be Oprah. <laughs> you don't have to do huge major things like develop an electric car, you by showing up with your field of energy, with who you are as the spiritual being inside that human body, 
that in and of itself is changing the world around you just by the energy that you are emanating um, and the, the love or the compassion or the gifts and the talents that you bring to this world, whatever they are, big or small. Things may seem dark and chaotic right now. It's interesting, the, the little small event that I went to for orientation yesterday, seated around a table, and these are people who all want to go into spiritual service of some sort um, and talking about how scared and confused they are about the times we're in. And I'm not saying I'm not, but I guess what I am saying is that I see the pain, the darkness and the chaos. Yes. But what I see more than that is the light in it, the light that has been growing, the, that, the, we are, I think, at a critical mass of light on this planet and it is growing. And it, I believe we will overcome the darkness and the chaos. We're just in that very, very specific time where things are getting a little rocky. But remember, we are purging, transforming, alchemizing millennia of, of violence and oppression and darkness that we have carried as a species for a long time. Um, to be able to move past that, we've got to do something with it. And we're in that time where we are seeing the shadow sides of things. But by remembering who we really are, this these, remember, powerful, dearly loved spiritual beings on a powerful, dearly loved planet in the cosmos, surrounded by the beings of light that are rooting for us and that I think are going to see us through to the other side of this. Um, and so just remember that all you have to do, all you have to do to be truly celebrated is just be the light that you are, be the lighthouse and allow the divine to direct the light out into the world. Um, and, and let the divine worry about the rest. Um, I think uh, remember you're here for a reason, your life matters. And so my moral of the story paraphrased, uh, take away from all of the messages of my most favorite guests, uh, and, and my experience in the last seven years of showing up with you live on Friday mornings, every Friday from nine to 10 AM Pacific has been live fully love self shine brightly, live fully love self shine brightly. Um, and so one more time, I'll just give you the ways to stay in touch. Um, since this will be, if you're just tuning in, uh, you'll have to listen from the beginning, but, um, this is the last Friday morning show. Um, as I take a three year, at least three year hiatus for my master of divinity degree at Yale divinity school. Um, so ways to stay in touch. Of course, the archives will always be um, on the station's website. And that's really as, as my show is moving to podcast form, um, where I'll be doing at this point one podcast a month at least. Um, my dispatches from Divinity School, the ways that you can stay in touch and continue to listen to the show as it moves forward into this different format is to go to the station's website. 1150kknw.com forward slash podcasts, or just go to 1150kknw.com and you'll see the, the, um, the little podcast option up on that uh, toolbar. 
And um, another way to stay in touch is just to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you use. So if you're on iTunes, just subscribe to the show on iTunes or whatever platform. And then finally, if you go to my website, goldenoversoul.com, that is goldenoversoul.com, you can sign up for my newsletter. Um, there's a little link at the bottom of the homepage or a little, um, you can put in your email address. And I will be, um, you know, sending out announcements, my dispatches from Divinity School. And if a new uh, podcast episode goes up, then you will be notified of that. So I guess that's about it for the show today. Um, I want to send out a special thanks to all of the listeners who have been a part of this show for seven years. Um, this doesn't feel as much like an ending as just um, another chapter, um, moving on to um, even more fun things. Um, and again, who knows what will happen after these three years, but thank you for having been a part of the last seven years um, of this hour in time that brings me more joy than just about anything else. And of course, a huge thanks to Benny, who has been the co-pilot on uh, this adventure, um, who has always been such a light to work with. So, and thank you, of course, to all of you listeners out there and to the KKNW audience. What a wonderful home this has been for me uh, on Friday mornings. So sending you all much, much love. And um, I'll see you on the airwaves soon. Bye.